Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland. We take timeless biblical truth and help you to apply it in the context of your daily life. If you'd like to join us live at one of our campuses or stream one of our services online, go to peavine.org for times, locations, and more information. Thank you to our worship teams at all of our campuses this morning. I know you've had a great time in worship. Hey, Genesis chapter 3, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to start a new sermon series over the next couple of weeks called Christmas Bells, Why Christmas is a Big Deal. There's a reason we needed Christ to be born. There was a reason we needed a Savior. When he was born, all the world rejoiced. As Henry Wadsworth Longfellow said, Christmas bells were ringing. Have you ever heard that poem? It's, it's really one of my favorite poems ever, even though it's a Christmas poem. I've got it on the screen. Listen, listen to this. I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play. And wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And thought how, as the day had come, the belfries of all Christendom had rolled along the unbroken song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Till ringing, singing on its way, the world revolved from night to day, a voice, a chime, a chant sublime of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then from each black accursed mouth, the cannon thundered in the south, and with the sound, the carols drowned of peace on earth, goodwill to men. It was as if an earthquake rent the hearthstones of a continent and made forlorn the households born of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And in despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill towards men. I want to preach and just grab that refrain today on peace on earth. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, who lived in the 1800s, wrote that poem on Christmas Day, 1864. He penned Christmas bells after his son Charles was wounded while fighting in the Civil War. Although the country remained at war when he wrote the poem, he was expressing his hope that one day the war would be over. And following the Civil War, they took out the lines about the Civil War and they put it to music and we sing it as a Christmas carol. But Longfellow wrote the song when it was a dark time in America and Christmas provided some relief. And so on that Christmas day, he heard the Christmas bells ringing, bringing in Christmas. It was, it was a time for peace on earth. And I want to say, just starting out this series, there's a reason those Christmas bells rang. It was a dark time in the world when Jesus was born. So I want to talk about that over the next few weeks. Let's talk about why Christmas is such a big deal. Well, I like doing this survey every year. You can follow along at one of our campuses or at home. You can follow along with us. I want you to partake in the poll as well. Uh, how many of you this year 
had your Christmas decorations up before Halloween. Can I see your hand before Halloween? All right, we got one here at Rock Spring, wherever. All right, how many of you put yours up sometime in November? Can I see your hand? Oh, Mo. All right, how many of you uh, put yours up, will put yours up sometimes in, in December? Let me see your hand, December. All right, a few. How many of you left your Christmas tree up from last year? Let me see your hand. That's always the easier thing to do, right? Um, well, as it turns out, the early Christmas decorations may be doing us some good. I keep seeing this, this study every year, and I keep wanting to talk about it because scientists at Temple University, University of Utah, published a study in the Journal of Environmental Psychology. Among its findings were the indications that people whose homes are decorated communicate a sense of friendliness and cohesiveness with neighbors. Simply put, People who decorate their homes early tend to be happier. Psychoanalyst Steve McKeon says this, there could be a number of symptomatic reasons why someone would want to obsessively, he uses the word obsessively, not me, put up decorations early, most commonly for nostalgic reasons, or either to relive the magic or to compensate for some past loss. He goes on to say this, in a world full of stress and anxiety, people like to associate things that make them happy and Christmas decorations evoke those strong feelings of the childhood. McKinn continues, decorations are simply an anchor or pathway to those old childhood magical emotions of excitement. So putting up those Christmas decorations early, early extends your excitement from childhood. So according to the authors of the study, those warm feelings of joy and excitement are transmitted not only within the home, not only from within the home, but from neighbor to neighbor. When the decorations are visible from outside the home. In other words, if you put your Christmas decorations up early, it makes you happier and it makes your neighbors happier as well. Because we're trying to recapture some of that joy of Christmas. We're trying to recapture the nostalgia of Christmas and so we feel like if we put the decorations up, it makes us a happier uh, people. And the fact that may be true, but here's what I want to preach on for the next few weeks. There is more important things about Christmas than our decorations. There's a reason Longfellow wrote that poem about Christmas bells and peace on earth. Christmas is a big deal. And it's great to decorate. We love to decorate and all that. But there was a deeper reason for Christmas. We desperately needed Christmas. And I want to show you why. Would you look in Genesis chapter 3 and stand with me? And it'll be on the screen. If you don't have your Bibles today, you can just look on the screen, whatever campus you may be at. Genesis chapter 3. We, we know this beginning story, but let me, let me talk about it and apply it to Christmas this morning Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God said you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you'll not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. 
So she took some of the fruit and ate it. She gave also to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were open and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, who, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then he asked, who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man replied, what all men do. It wasn't my fault. It was her fault, God. The woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate. And so the Lord God asked the woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you've done this, you're cursed more than any livestock, more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you'll strike his heel. He said to the woman, I will intensify your labor pains. You will bear children with painful effort. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. He said to the man, because you've listened to your wife and ate from the tree which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. You will eat from it by means of painful labor all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field, and you will eat bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground, since you were taken from it. For you are dust, and you will return to dust. And the man named his wife Eve, because she is the mother of all living. Thank you. You may be seated. To understand what's gone wrong and why we desperately needed Christmas and why Christmas is a big deal, we have to go all the way back to the beginning. Man and the world had been created perfect and placed in the Garden of Eden. And uh, there was going to be, uh, in the Garden of Eden, there was no death, there was no pain, there was no sickness, there were no storms, there was no uh, work at all. Everything was going great until Satan, working through the serpent, came and tempted Eve to do the one thing they were told not to do. Eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said it in Genesis uh, chapter 2, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat it. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. In the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. But, the, uh, uh, but as you read the story, they did eat. The one command they have been given by God, they disobeyed. That decision, that act, that one thing created all kinds of problems for them and for us today. Because on that day, sin was introduced into the world and its effects were terrible. And the reason those effects were terrible, because those effects even affect us today. We had to have Christmas because of what happened in Genesis chapter 3. Why is Christmas such a big deal? Let me pull from Genesis chapter 3 and tell you why Christmas was a big deal. Christmas is a big deal. We need, desperately need Christmas because you needed peace in your life. You needed peace in your life. Look at Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17. And he said to the man, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, do not eat from it. The ground is cursed because of you. I want to stay there on that phrase for just a moment. The ground is cursed because of you. 
So far, the earth God has given Adam and Eve everything they needed to live freely. Now, here's the thing about the Garden of Eden. There was no work. There was no labor. There was no sweat. There was no pain. There was everything they needed was right there. But now Genesis chapter 3, sin has entered into the arrangement. And the Bible says this, that the ground has been cursed, cursed. And as a result of the ground being removed from God's favor, the ground, the earth, the dirt was removed from the favor of God, removed from the protection of God, removed from the blessing of God. The Bible tells them this, that it will only yield produce through hard labor. I love this. The NIV calls it painful toil. Painful toil. That's probably what you feel like you're going to in the morning, right? Painful toil. Like you're going to have to work for your food. You're going to have to work for your paycheck. That wasn't true before sin entered the world. It was, it was toil, but it was not painful. It was work, but it was pleasant. And before the curse, everything was good. But after the th- curse, everything was hard. Before the curse, everything they knew needed grew on a tree or came up out of the ground. I don't know, but I, I almost bet you there was a ribeye tree somewhere in the Garden of Eden. You want a ribeye? I just go pluck one off the tree. Man, this thing is good. But after the curse, the whole of creation was cursed because of sin And here's what it did. It took away the peace of man and made the world more difficult for them and more difficult for us. I mean, I don't know if you thought about it or not, but if you thought about all the ways the earth fights against us, I mean, if you just name the uh, big things like storms, earthquakes, uh, wild animals, sweat, jobs, Fear, sickness, pandemics, that, all of that is the world fighting against us. All of that is the curse that was introduced in Genesis chapter 3. All of that is because what happened in Genesis chapter 3, all the world has gone from this blissful state into a state of being cursed. And here's the deal. The farther away we get from Adam, the worse and worse it's getting. The farther away we get from Adam, the farther away we're getting from that time of perfection. And so here's what you should suspect to see as we get closer and closer to the end of time is we're getting more and more cursed. The curse is taking more hold. And because of that curse that was introduced in Genesis chapter 3, this world is only getting worse. And I just have news for you. It's not going to get any better. The Bible says this in the New Testament. Paul says this, that when we get to the end of time, things will wax worse and worse. And when we live in a cursed world, everything about the world is broken for you and for me. As a little boy, we lived on a, um, we, we lived in a subdivision, but my dad had gone across the subdivision. It was just being built and he had bought like four house lots, which gave him a little over an acre uh, in between two streets, and that was my dad's farm when I was growing up. That was our garden. We would garden that whole acre, a majority of that acre, and, uh, you know, this was in the 1970s, and, and so uh, we, we'd plant a big garden in that acre, and my dad tended to collect stuff. Uh, I don't know how you would say it, but if dad, dad typically 
never saw a piece of junk he didn't want to own. You know, he just had it everywhere. And my dad bought this old car one time. It was an old car that he had every intention of remodeling. And, and dad put it down in kind of the, uh, in his garden area down there. And he'd, he'd go down and tinker on it time for time. But nothing ever worked on that car. It never, never worked. As a matter of fact, the, the tires were flat. Uh, the engine was in pieces. And the windows may or may not have been shot out with my BB gun. That's a story for another time. But I'd be out there playing on a hot summer day in that garden. And it'd be 110 degrees it felt like in there. And I'd get hot. And so I'd go into that car. And I'd take the key and I'd crank that car up. And I'd let the air conditioner blow on me cool me down you say wait 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 I thought it was an old junker car it was and I just lied I couldn't go turn the air conditioning on in that car because the whole thing was broken and if the whole thing was broken the individual parts were not going to work either That's exactly what's wrong with the world we live in today. Can I tell you what's wrong with this world? I know sometimes you get up and you say, preacher, I feel like the whole world's against me. Guess what it is? The whole world is against you. Why? Because the whole world has been cursed by sin. Paul said this in Romans chapter 8. He said that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. Uh, Paul said the, the whole thing about the earth is it's just trying to get set free. It's trying to reverse the curse. Christ came and to deliver the world from its curse. And Christ came to deliver you from his curse. So I'll fast forward to Revelation 21. And God will wipe away every tear from the rod. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. For the former things are passed away. The former things are passed away. Why do we even need that verse? Because Revelation 21 verse 4 is God telling us he's getting rid of the curse. Because this whole world is mad at you. This whole world is cursed at us. And that's why Christmas was a big deal. Because you are never going to get peace in your life depending on this world. You had to have a savior You had to have Christ. You had to have Christmas. Did you know, dear friend, that nothing in your life is going to work right without Christ? Did you know your marriage is not going to work right without Christ? Your your family's not going to be okay without Christ. Your work life is not going to be okay. Your relationship, your finances, your anxiety, your emotional issues, none of those are solved apart from Christ. Why? Because Christmas changed all of that. Now listen, here's what I'm trying to tell you. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. All of creation is fighting against your happiness. All of the curse is fighting against your success. All of creation is fighting against your joy and your peace. And Jesus is the only one that can bring you the peace in life and the peace that you so crave. Christmas is a big deal because you needed peace in your life. 
And that only comes from knowing Jesus, and that only comes from growing in Jesus. The best thing you can do for your life is to bathe your life in Jesus. If you want peace, hear me, peace in your life only comes through Jesus. You say, but yeah, I'm, I'm going to try this, and I'm going to try it. Listen, everything you're going to try to get rid of your anxiety and to bring peace into your life and to get rid of the chaos in your life, everything you're going to try is going to fail because everything you're trying is cursed. And the only cure for that curse is the peace that comes through Jesus. You want peace in your family? It'll come through Jesus. You want peace in your marriage? It'll come through Jesus. You want peace in your job? It'll come through Jesus. You want peace in your finances? It'll come through Jesus. You want peace in your emotions? It will come through Jesus. The reason Christmas was a big deal is because we needed peace in our own lives because this world fights against us and that peace only comes through jesus second reason we needed christmas was number two you needed peace at your death look look what he said in verse 13 verse uh, uh chapter 3 verse 19 let me just highlight it he said you'll eat Bread by the sweat of your brow until you return to the ground since you were taken from it. For you are dust and you will return to dust. Now God had already told them that if they disobeyed, they were going to lie. Let me go back and highlight this verse one more time. We've already talked about it. Let me say it again. But the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely, say it with me, die. Die. In the day that you eat from it. Next, next slide, guys. You shall surely die. You shall surely, say it with me, die. In Genesis chapter 3, we died. Physical death wasn't immediate, but it started. And eventual death became a reality. Because of that death, that's why we get sick. That's why we suffer. That's why we have pain. Your body was not made to die, but the sin that happened in Genesis, Genesis 3 caused it to happen. All the pain and suffering and death you experience is because of that day. I, I'm not saying your sickness today is because of your personal sin. I don't have any idea about that. Uh, but I do know this, all the, sin you, all the sickness you have today, all the pain you have today, all the hurt you have today, and every funeral you go to is because of that sin in Genesis chapter 3. And what happened on that day, Genesis chapter 3, death started running amok in the world and no one could stop it, no one could delay it, no one could thwart it, no one could avoid it, no one could escape it. And the whole uh, of humanity was tainted. The whole well of humanity was tainted and everyone who drank from its cup was doomed to die. And here's here's the news I have for you today. If you are born, you will die. If you're born, you will die. You say, well, this is a real uplifting Christmas message. Well, it's just the truth that you cannot avoid it. So what's the good news? The good news is that 
even though you're going to die, you can have peace at your death because of Christmas. But you can't avoid death. I don't want to, I don't want to get into a political discussion here, but it's interesting to look back at, at COVID statistics somehow, sometimes because it's still a thing going on. If you, if you read government statistics, um, new cases per day, you can see our peak, you know, at the end of last year and the beginning of this year and kind of down where we are now. COVID kind of feels like a thing uh, of the past, which is interesting. We shut, we shut church down over here. You know, and it got so much worse and we just kept going. If you look at the daily uh, deaths per day, you, you again see that has plummeted off. But here's what we know about COVID. There have been 640 million plus cases worldwide. There have been 6.6 million deaths worldwide. And just leave it right there uh, for a minute. There have been 6 million deaths worldwide. Did you know scientific research? Do you know what you could do to not get COVID? You say, wear a mask. Probably not. Even if wearing a mask helped, nobody wore a mask right. right? My wife and I took a cruise uh, 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 earlier in the year, and we, we took a shuttle bus from the hotel to the cruise ship. And there was a lady, a uh, senior adult lady, who got on our uh, shuttle bus. She was already dressed for the cruise. She already had a bathing suit on. She was probably 80 years old, already had a bathing suit on. She was ready to party as soon as her feet landed on the boat. She talked the entire time, but she had this mask that was kind of like a, like a, just a big old face mask that she had on, and she didn't want to get COVID, so she was wearing that mask, to which I would say, if you don't want COVID, don't go on a cruise ship. We all know uh, you get in tight quarters, you're going to get COVID, but like she had this big mask on. But here's the funny thing, that she was kind of a cruise expert, and so um, we're on this little bus, and it was, we were just jam-packed on this little shuttle bus. She's got this mask. She's the only one who got a mask on and she got the mask on but people started asking her questions about cruises and you know what she did she pulled it down on her chin right here now I know I'm not a scientist but I, 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 um, I did stay in a holiday inn last night and I know this about masks if you're wearing them on your chin they don't help you with COVID I, I am smart enough to know that so would masks stop you from getting COVID Probably not. What about social distancing? I, I, I read this. MIT researchers say time spent indoors increases the risk of COVID at six feet or 60 feet. In other words, if you're inside, you're going to get COVID. Well, you say, I really isolated myself. Well, let me ask you this. Go to the next one. Did you isolate yourself this much? This just happened. A few days ago, Travel to a U.S. scientific research station in Antarctica, Antarctica, the world's most remote continent, has a COVID outbreak in it. 98 positive tests, and there are only 993 people living out the South, South Pole. And I don't want to ruin your holiday plans, but the federal agency just implemented a pause on all travel to the South Pole. And I know that's disappointing, and I'm just giving you a public service announcement. You're going to have to cancel your trip to the South Pole. Next slide for, for Christmas. Why? 
Because COVID made it to Antarctica, the most remote place on the planet. So do you know what you could do to not get COVID? Absolutely nothing. If you're going to get it, you're going to get it. If you're not, you're not. If you're going to get it, you're going to get it. If you're not, you're not. And it was kind of that way to the extreme after Genesis chapter 3. Do you know what you can do to stop dying? Absolutely nothing. If you're born, you're going to die. Death is contagious to 100% of the world. And nothing but Christmas, nothing but Jesus. How do you find peace at death? It is only through Jesus. Look at what Paul said in Timothy. Paul said this in 2 Timothy. This has now been made evident through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has abolished death. Who has abolished death. Who has abolished death. We needed a Savior because we could not do anything about our death problem. Only Jesus could. And because Jesus came, because Jesus was born in a manger, because he died on the cross, because he was resurrected, we can have peace at our death and we can cry out what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? Jesus is the cure to death. And listen, if you're here today, you're watching at a campus or online and you are unsaved, I've got to tell you, you are sick. You're infected with death. And death has hold on you. And you'll have no peace at death unless you come to Jesus. If you're here today and you are saved, you're watching and you are saved, I'm sorry for all the suffering you've gone through, but here's the good hope we have in Christmas. Jesus has defeated death and the grave. That's how you can face life every day. How do you get up every day, preacher, knowing that at the end you're just going to die? How do you get up every day, preacher, and what, what is it people say, the days are long but the years are fast? And it's another Christmas, which it seems like we just did, and January through November goes like that, and before you know it, you're, you're 18 years old, and before you know it, you're 29 years old, and before, before you know it, you're, you're, you're my age, 39 years old, and 49, and some of you in your 50s, and I know it seems fast then, and, and it, just, it just goes, and you turn around, and you're 80, you're 80, and here's what you say, life has gone by so so quickly how is it that we can cope with that here's how we cope because we know one day that's going to be us we know one day they're going to wheel us around in a church or a funeral home and it's going to be our body that lays in the ground how can we have peace at that time we have peace of death because of jesus and i'm going to tell you if you're listening to me this morning and you lay your head on your pillow at night and the thought of death terrifies you. It may be because you don't have Jesus Christ in your heart and life. Because it's Christmas that brings peace at death. 
Finally, Christmas is a big deal. Number three, we learn it from Genesis chapter three because you needed not just peace in life and peace at death, but number three, you needed peace with God. Uh, Here's what life was like in Genesis three, verse number eight. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. Walking in the garden. In the cool of the day, the Bible says, you know what life was like before sin? Here's what life was like. That God himself came down and hung out with Adam and Eve for dinner every, every evening. So you, here you have Adam and Eve and creation and God having dinner in the evenings. What a special, beautiful relationship. And then in Genesis chapter 3, Adam hid for the first time and that whole relationship was lost when he sinned. And because of Adam's sin, everybody else was a sinner. And the Bible says because of that sin, our sin made us the enemies of God. The enemies of God. Listen, again, I remind you, we are not all the children of God. We are all the creation of God. It's only if you know Christ as Savior that you are a child of God. Because in reality, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, you are the enemy of God and the wrath of God abides upon you. And we needed a Savior because we needed somebody to fix our relationship with God. And the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. But keep following me. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ, reconciled himself to us through Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. Christ made it so that you and I could have a relationship with God, you needed a relationship with God. And Christmas did that. We see in Romans 5.1, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Christmas restored the relationship. A relationship that you need now, you need in the future, You need peace with God. I'm going to ask our worship pastors at our campus to get ready. Close your Bibles. I'm I'm finished. I read this this week that, I don't know if you've heard of John and Julie Gottman, but they've been um, studying marriage, love, and relationship for decades. They've been married 35 years themselves. They've interviewed and studied more than 40,000 couples. And they're able to predict with a 15-minute observation of a couple. Follow me. 15 minutes of an observation. They're able to predict with 94% accuracy whether the couple will survive or not. 94% accuracy. And I read this. They said one of the biggest determining factors was how often a couple turned toward their partner Instead of turning away, turn toward their partner instead of turning away. They they say when a couple turns towards each other, they make and respond to what we call bids for connection. Bids can range from little things like trying to catch your partner's attention by calling out their name uh, uh, to big things like asking for deeper needs to be met. And the happiest couples are savvy enough to notice when their partner is making a bid for connection and drop what they're doing if necessary to engage them. 
Here's an example. Your partner's scrolling their phone and says, oh, this is an interesting article. When they say something, that's a bid for connection. And they said you can respond in three ways. I I love this. I'm I'm helping you this morning. Number one, you can turn toward them. That is, you acknowledge them and engage with them and say, oh, yeah, what did you read? Number two, you can turn away from them. That's actively ignoring or just not noticing their attempt to connect. You keep doing what you're doing and don't engage. So, hey, boy, this is interesting. You can turn towards them and ask them what it's about. You can turn away and just kind of ignore it. Or number three, you can turn against. And that's getting angry that they interrupted you. And say, what, what, can you not see I'm doing something? Turning toward, turning away, turning against. Now look at this. In their lab study, the couples who stayed together for at least six years turned toward each other 80 percent of the time those who got divorced only did it 33 percent of the time to make your marriage happy all you've got to do is turn towards stand with me stand with me across the room what does that marriage tidbit have to do with us because on christmas day here's what god did for you he turned towards you jesus coming to be born in a manger, Jesus coming to die on a cross, Jesus rising on the third day was God turning towards you because he wanted a relationship. And here's what Jesus asked from you today for you to turn towards him. Christmas was God's attempt to engage with you. So what are you going to do about it? If you get saved and walk with Jesus, that's you turning towards Him. You can ignore it. Go on about your life. The majority of the world will just ignore the real meaning of Christmas. They'll ignore the cross. They'll ignore the resurrection. They'll not engage and they'll die and go to hell. Or you can turn against. You can turn against. And fight the God who gave His life for you. Here's what God asked today. Turn towards you. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? No matter where you're... Thank you, Pastor Joel, for that great message. And hey, we all want peace, don't we? I got six kids and five grandkids. Peace is hard to come by. But we need that peace in our life. And the truth is, peace only comes... um, It it only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And um, during this season... Um, we, we deal with all kinds of things from, from the loss of a loved one or remembering the loss of a loved one or maybe the first holiday without a loved one to chaos in our family. Um, whatever it is you're dealing with, God is the God of peace. In fact, Jesus came to bring peace to this earth. And you can't have that peace if you don't have a relationship with Him that begins with you understanding that just like Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, you are a sinner. You've disobeyed God. There's something in your life that's called sin that is separating you from God. You've got to be willing to admit that. And then secondly, you've got to believe that Jesus died on the cross. He came as a baby. 
He lived on this earth and then He died to pay the penalty for our sin. You've got to believe that. He died, He was buried, and on the third day He rose again. And then you've got to confess Him as your personal Lord and Savior. You've got to relinquish your own control of your life and surrender your life to Jesus. And if God has spoken to your heart and you need that peace that only He can bring to you this morning, tell God this, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that He was buried, and on the third day He rose again to pay the penalty for my sin. Right now, through the power of your Holy Spirit, God, I ask you to come into my heart and take away my sin. Be my Savior. Lord, I give my life to you in Jesus' name. Hey, if you prayed that this morning for the very first time, you started a relationship with Jesus. We want to celebrate that with you. We want to help you take next steps on your faith journey with Jesus. We want you to know that you're not alone. We want to walk with you um, on this new relationship with Jesus. So click on the box that we, uh, the link that we just dropped in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Christ. And I personally am going to connect with you. I'm going to send you some information that's going to help you take next steps with Jesus. Click on the box. It's going to ask you a few questions. Please answer those questions. We're not going to blast you with information. It gives me an opportunity personally to connect with you this week. Hey, what a great time of year. And it's exciting to be together. We've got a full schedule uh, for our online um, uh, online community. And um, we can't wait for you to join us for all of the special services we have going on. God bless you. Have a great week. We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week as we help equip you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For the latest updates about what's happening around Peavine City, be sure to connect with us on social media. For more information about Peavine, to get in touch with us or check out one of our services, visit us at peavine.org. Thanks for listening. <laughs>